All right, y'all, come on in. We're glad to see y'all this morning. Uh, my name is Zach Spann. Uh, I get to be the pastor here at Troy Church, and on behalf of all of our leadership and people, we're really glad that you're here this morning. Uh, today, especially if you're new to us, uh, we get to do something today that's totally not typical for us, uh, that's really different, but in a really great way. So I want to kind of tell you about that and uh, just let you into why we do this and, and our vision in this. Uh, but today is what we call a family Sunday. Uh, so what is different uh, in a family Sunday about our other Sundays is um, a lot of our kids that are normally up the hill and Troy kids uh, get to be down here with us today and worship. And that is a really cool thing for us who are trying to be um, a family in Jesus. So if you were here uh, earlier in the summer, we did this once before. Um, and what it looks like is us doing some different things as far as our format. So um, an acknowledgement that there's uh, a lot of younger kids. So from three-year-old uh, up is in here with us today. An acknowledgement of that and just kind of what that is, we try to break up the service a little bit. So no uh, single one of us is up here for a long time talking and, and driving uh, a younger kid or you crazy uh, for that. So you'll see us uh, do a, a, a section of teaching and then we'll sing in response. We'll do another section of teaching, sing in response. We'll do that three times today uh, through our passage and really try to interact with the whole room, even our younger kids in here today. So we're excited to do that. So I want to encourage you, whether some of the kids in here belong to you or they don't, uh, as you hear murmurs and noises, like where there's smoke, there's fire, where there's kids, there's noises and cries and all the things, um, I challenge you as a church to really buy into what we say we believe about being a family and uh, what we say and believe in our observance of how Jesus feels about little kids um, and how he tells us to approach him like little kids. And I just challenge you, whenever you hear a murmur today, that our knee-jerk is to you know, be annoyed uh, or look um, or to be like, that's not supposed to happen in this space, for you instead to be like, that's the voice of a person, like a person that's inside of our church family that has potential to know and love Jesus very soon, and we have the opportunity to be a part of that, and that you would enjoy that and, and celebrate that and worship in that. So we're excited to lead in that. Uh, for any of you kids, we have some uh, coloring sheets, some sermon guides are over here at this table. I'm about to give you all an opportunity to scramble and get some if you missed it. Uh, grown folks, feel free to get them and color on them too. They'll follow the sermon. Uh, be a cool place for you to take notes if, if you like to do that. Uh, but uh, you can get colors and all that kind of stuff as well. So to give you an opportunity to do that um, and to get situated, I want to also give you an opportunity to stand up and say hey to people if you haven't got to talk to people yet. So get up, uh, take a couple minutes to greet people around you, uh, get a sermon guide and colors if you want to, get some coffee if you need to, and I'll see you back in a couple of minutes. So go do that. Hey y'all, let's bring it back in. Matt was having such a good time greeting that he kept my mic muted so I couldn't get y'all back.
All right, if you just came in, I know I saw uh, a bunch of folks just getting here where uh, we got to talk before that greeting time. We get to enjoy a family worship service today. So there's some colors, some worship guides over there to help you do that. One thing I didn't say uh, that I hope you hear is, again, especially if it's your kid running around, like we know that that's going to be a thing, and we really want you to be okay. So if, if you hear one word heading into worship this morning, I hope you'd relax in that and know that we're going to relax with you and, and just accept that as a reality for this day where we do things a little bit special. So I'm going to do the first third of our teaching part, and then we'll sing in response. Um, we will talk a lot about trusting God today. That's kind of the main thing. Uh, we have been in Genesis as a church since January. We just took a three-week break to talk about rest. And uh, I hope that y'all are practicing that and applying that. And if you miss parts of that, that you'll go back and get that as we try to attempt that as a church um, together. So we'll, we'll get back into where we left off in Genesis. So if you remember before we, we took that pause for rest, we were in Genesis 23. We talked about Abraham uh, burying Sarah in the land that God had promised him. So we'll move on to Genesis 24 today. Um, and we get to see a very cool story today about some matchmaking and eventually a wedding um, that happens really fast. And all of that brought through some very interesting events and cool circumstances. Um, but through all of that, we will get to see God be in charge with a plan. And we'll get to see God be in charge and work out that plan, uh, even through humans that tend to not trust him all the time very much. So our main thing today, I'm going to tell it to you, and then I'm going to teach you something that I want you to interact with, especially you kids that are in the house. Uh, trust God all the time. So I'm going to say trust God, and when I say trust God, I want you all to say all the time, all right? Trust God. All right, kids, I want to see if you all can be louder than your folks. Trust God. Yeah, you all definitely won. I knew I could count on you. Very similar to several weeks ago, if you'll remember, we were in Genesis 22 when um, Abraham was called to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And we talked about, do we trust God to give us what we need to do what he says? And we looked at that really dramatic narrative. Um, and I think that's really pertinent and important for us going into the fall, because we're about to head into some busy stuff. A lot of us in a lot of different ways are about to really crank up the volume of what we're doing in life and kind of our pace of life. In view of Sabbath and rest, like we've been talking about, in view of time with God, in view of time with God's people, in view of all the things that we've been talking about through this whole year, you know, this trust, like trusting God's way and His provisions for us to walk in it and do what He says is very important. So I'm excited for us ahead of fall to, to look at this. Because it's trust that we're not prone to, but thankfully trust that he's worked out for us in Jesus. So I'm going to read the first part of this narrative and pray. I'm going to let you help me pray also in repeating after me in a little bit. But we're going to read first. So this is Genesis 24, 1 through 11. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all he had, Put your hand under my thigh, that I might make you swear by the Lord, the God of the heaven and God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. 
but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, To your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife from my son there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Okay, we're going to pray, and I want you to repeat after me, everybody, especially you kids. Let's pray. Father God, please help us understand the Bible. Help us see Jesus. Amen. All right, great job. So again, Abraham has buried Sarah in the land that God has promised that he would eventually dwell with this special set-apart people. He is really old, very old, and understanding that his time on earth is probably coming to a close. And he wants to ensure that this promise to to be this set-apart people continues smooth. So he makes steps towards a marriage arrangement, which is completely normal in this day and time. So kids, a marriage arrangement is when instead of like your mom and dad probably met and married, these are two sets of parents being like, hey, let's let our kids marry each other. And it just is what it is. Um, So he sends a trusted servant to go find Isaac, his son, a wife from their homeland. So we see them promise each other in a very weird way, uh, this oath um, with thighs and all this stuff going on. Uh, This is Abraham observing where he's staying at in Canaan and observing that the women there are wild and adamantly not worshiping his God, not following his God. And him understanding that God and his promise has called his people, his family to be the set-apart nation. So he's avoiding these people and um, that were cursed way back, if you remember we talked about in Genesis 9 on the back end of the flood. And instead, he is sending the servant to go back to Abram's kind of homeland um, to find a wife for Isaac there. Whether you have been with us this whole time or not, we followed Abram and then Abraham. We've seen him show a lot of trust in God at certain points, but maybe more so perhaps we've seen him not trust God a lot also. When what God promised him seemed hard or impossible, he did what was easy instead of what was right sometimes. But here we see a very different Abraham. Abraham is way old, and he has time and time again seen the goodness of God work out through what God has promised. He's seen the goodness of God uh, just work out despite his, at times, very weak faith and his distrusting. So we see him trust a good God out of his experience in seeing God work and God and uh, just usher in his promise on Abraham and his family. And he's helped Abraham's faith by letting him see it work and come to fruition. And we don't get to know this part. My guess is that God is inspiring this mission to get Isaac a wife, maybe through Abram, Abraham's you know, uh, prayer time or, or uh, private worship time with God. Um, but he's calling this servant into this, on this mission. And this servant does what we do when God calls us into things that are difficult. 
you know, talking matters of obedience, of stuff that God tells us to do that's out of our norm or out of our comfort zone. And he's like, well, what if you know, I go get this girl and she doesn't want to come? Like, or the family doesn't let her come? You know, maybe we should take Isaac and let him kind of flex with this camel train and all these gifts. And like, maybe that would help this mission. Like, what if something goes wrong? And we see Abraham in the face of this remind this servant of God's plan and word. And it's common sense to Abraham at this point. He's like, God is God. Like, I have to do what he says. Yeah, I'm sticking to his plan. And I hope that would be our mentality and practice going into a busy fall that we would trust God. All right, let's say everything. I'm going to say trust God. You're going to say all the time, trust God. And decide to follow his good ways as a family this fall. We see Abraham trust God in this moment. May we be people that trust God all the time. So I'm going to pray. We're going to respond to this first point. Good morning again to you all. Uh, my name is Colby Wheeler. I'm the family pastor here. And I get to walk uh, with you guys through the second part of this passage. Uh, Zach led us through what it means to trust God as we prepare and now we're going to walk through what it means to trust God as we go. Uh, so I want us to read in Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24, we're going to read verses 12 through 32. So picking up right where Zach left off, we're going to read a, a part of that. We're going to skip a part and then read a little bit towards the end. Uh, the reason we're going to skip that middle part is because the narrator tells this story from Isaac's perspective. And then the narrator tells Isaac, retelling the story to Rebecca's brother and her family. So instead of reading the recap, we're going to just read the, the, the narrative, and then we're going to read uh, kind of Abraham's response to what uh, her family says. So we're going to read verses 12 through 28, actually. Verses 12 through 28 first right here. It says, And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. This is the servant speaking. He's going on his, his mission to find a wife for Isaac. It says, Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord, and she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half shekel and two bracelets for her arms weighing ten gold shekels and said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. 
As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now let's look ahead to verse 48. Like I said, the narrator, or Isaac, retells this story to her family. And then we get here at verse 48. Here's a son of his response. He says, Then I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way, to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. So he says to the family, Now then, if you're going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The king has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. So let's, let's pray briefly as we begin to see this second point here. God, we ask that you would uh, help us to understand your word, uh, that you would show us what it means to trust you as we go, God, uh, that you would bless this time, and uh, that you would be with these kids, God, that they would uh, soak up your word, that they would... I see what it means to worship you together as a family. Honestly, I pray in your gracious and holy name. Amen. All right, kids, if you got your worship guide there, the little paper you're coloring on, uh, in the second box there, I want you to look there, and I want you to draw maybe what it means to go. So for you, maybe it means the start of a race, like when someone says, you know, get ready, set, go. Maybe you draw a picture of a family going on a trip somewhere, or maybe you draw like our story, and you draw a man who is walking with camels, or riding on a camel perhaps. So whatever you can think of that means go, I want you to draw that in that second box. And adults, parents, everyone in between, uh, as we walk through this second point, I want you to see how the servant's trust in God, his trust in God is what gives him the boldness that he needs to complete this mission that he was sent on. The mission to go, the mission to, to find a wife for Isaac. In verses 12 through 14, those first couple of verses that we read, we hear Isaac pray a really bold prayer. He asks God to give him success on his mission, but then he says something very specific. He says, God, I'm going to stand here at this well. He says, I'm going, to, I'm going to wait till these women come out from the town, and I'm going to ask them to give me some water. And he said, the one who says to me, yeah, I'll give you some water, and also I'll give you your camel some water, he says, let her be the one whom you have chosen for Isaac. And so that's a very bold prayer. It's a very, you know, uh, bold way to speak to God. And I don't think we could commend to, to you to say, yeah, pray like this, like make this kind of deal in your prayer. But what we definitely could say is pray with this level of trust. Pray with this level of trust. You see, this servant knew that this was a very big deal. This was important that he find the right woman, the right spouse to be with Isaac. And so instead of relying on his own strength, Instead of him going and saying, yeah, I can, I can play, you know, the bachelorette here and, and find the right female for, for Isaac. No, he doesn't do that. He says, God, I don't know who she is, but you do. You've chosen her. You know exactly who she is. Show me who she is very plainly and clearly so that I get this right. So what, what at the heart of this prayer is a deep trust in God's providence. Kids, you probably don't know what providence is. There's a box there in your thing that says, words that I heard but do not know. Write the word providence there if you can write. Providence. And ask your parents what it means later. And I think as God tells us to go, I wonder how much that we go with this same level of trust. How often do we go that boldly, that much trusting? Uh, how often do we hesitate, though? How often do we, do we check up, do we slow down? And I think that what we do sometimes is that in preparing to go, we actually forget to go. 
And as you think about going, don't just think about geographically moving physical locations. Think about all the things that God might be calling you to do. Maybe it's uh, something in your personal life as far as a Bible study. Maybe it's a small group. Maybe it's a certain time of prayer you need to commit to. Maybe it's sharing your faith with someone at work. Regardless of what it is, think about those things as being going. And if you're like me, when you think about those things, there's a procrastination that happens. Not because we don't want to do those things, but because we think we have to have every detail worked out before we go, before we start the thing. You may wait until you feel like you have the very perfect plan or the right strategy or the right method before we do it, and sometimes we freeze up. In business, it's called analysis paralysis, where you overanalyze the risk of things to the point to where you don't do it. You, you, you miss out on the benefit of it because you freeze up. And the alternative to that fear, to that, that freezing, that thinking that we have to have every detail worked out before we can start something, is to go in prayer with a trusting boldness that God's going to work out his perfect plan for your life. Because God really has it under control. And if we believe that, not just in our minds, but if we know that in our heart, then we can begin to take some steps towards things even when we don't know exactly what they look like. We can say, yeah, I'll join this group or I'll start this study even when we don't know exactly what the plan is. We don't know what it's going to be like. We have fears about it. We can take steps towards those things because we know that God is the one who is working these things out. We can trust in him. I can think of one really practical example for most in our church. Uh, In a couple months, we're going to have a family uh, discipleship training. It's going to be four weeks after church on Sunday in two different months, or two weeks in one month, two weeks in the next month, where we're going to walk through family discipleship. And committing to spend time with Jesus as a family is certainly something God is calling us to do. Married couples, kids with families, it's something God wants you to do in your household, to, to walk together in discipleship. In fact, if you're a family with kids, it's the first place that God has called you to go, to, to, to disciple your children. And it's a way that we can demonstrate trust as we go. And we need to prepare for these things. That's the whole point of the training. We want to give you as much tools and resources as we can. But we have to get past the preparing stage. We have to get past the the knowing every detail point and just trust God and take a step in that direction and start doing family discipleship. We won't know exactly what it looks like. We, We know it won't be perfect, but we have to take steps in the right direction. I think about a kid who's about to go on a vacation, like some of you kids in here. If you're about to go on a vacation and a trip, you just get in the car, you trust that your parents know where you're going, you trust that they've packed all the things you need, and you just get in the car and you just go. You don't, and you're going to ask when we're going to get there. You're not worried about the things that you packed. You're worried about where you're going to go, when, when you're going to get there. Not so much all the tiny details that your parents have worked out. You trust that they know it, that they have planned. Likewise, we can trust that God has worked out these things. This is what the servant does. He places his trust in God to choose the right woman, and God blesses that effort. He sends the right woman to the servant, and he takes this jewelry. He takes a nose ring, and he takes some bracelets, and he gives it to her. I think it's important that if you're a kid and you're reading this, that you don't get confused. If, if your mother or another woman in this church went on the Troy Church Women's Retreat last year, and she came home with a nose ring, that, that wasn't her getting married again. You're okay. Uh, in fact, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was a midlife crisis. But the servant in our story, he gives this jewelry, and what it represents is him trying to almost impress her, get a way to, to get to speak to her family and to eventually ask her to come back and marry Isaac. And long story short, Rebecca ends up being that very one that God had planned for Isaac. 
You see, God's plan combined with the trusting effort of the servant resulted in this successful mission. And as we go, I hope that you would go with the same level of boldness that comes from trusting in this providence of God. Let us pray, and we're going to sing again and respond, and then we'll come, we'll come back and hear our third point from Zach. All right, we talked about trusting God when we get ready. We talked about trusting God when we go. And this last part is trusting God when we come back. And we really want to even be as split in those movements as much as, again, when we told you on the front end, we want you, I want you to practice our repeat after me or your response. We trust God. One more time, we trust God. All the time. So in the preparing and the going and in the returning. Uh, so we're going to read the end of this story. I'm going to pick up in 54. Yes, yeah, as, as Colby and I were preparing and, and hammering all this out, I was telling him, I guess the women's retreat last year, like use this as their focus verse down there or something. It's where they were inspired. Uh, I know uh, Fran was one of those that came back with one of those nose rings. <laughs> all right, Genesis 24, 54. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman remain with us for a while, at least ten days. After that she may go. But he said to them, Do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. They said, Let us call the young woman and ask her. They called Rebekah. They said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men, and they blessed Rebekah. And they said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Then Rebekah and her young woman, women arose and rode on camo, camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went on his way. Uh, so as we go on through Genesis, we'll get to uh, uh, interact with Rebecca's brother Laban. Uh, so we met him through Colby's part. Um, we'll see him later not be the best dude. Uh, he'll, he'll do some things uh, later that are kind of difficult to deal with. We see them, yeah, as Colby read to you, they said, hey, this is obviously the Lord. Like, what can we say about this? Take her and go. And we see them kind of, you know, throw the extended warranty on this deal last minute and, and try to mess it up. They kind of go back on what they had originally said. They said, let her stay here. Like, let's let her stay here 10 days. And it was interesting to read about this and study this. The 10 days is not exactly even clear in original language. So it could have been a lot longer period or, or a bigger request than the 10 days. And in this time, it's not only this relational period of like, hey, like, let us hang out with her. This is a long distance without technology. Like This is them possibly never seeing her again. But it's not only relationally. Like We remember this girl met this servant at a well to get water, and she apparently is really good at it. We see her like sprinting and giving water to the servant and then watering 10 camels that can drink a lot of water, and she's running. So she's really good at this. Probably her job in this household so not only are they going to miss her relationally, they're probably going to miss her going and hauling all this water all the time. That's probably her job for the household. So they're like, hey, let's let her stay for a few days till we, you know, replace her and her job. 
And we see this servant so into the plan and power of God, like God's obvious hand and activity in this, in this moment. He's like, hey, God is obviously involved here. Like, we, we can't wait. Like, there's no waiting or no delay. And he, he boldly protests the 10 days. He's like, I, I really, like, God's obviously made this happen. I'm ready to go. Like, show my master that sent me God's goodness in this trip. And they put it on Rebecca. They're like, we'll call her her over here, probably thinking that any girl in her family will be like, yeah, I'd love to stay here for a few more days and say my goodbyes. But she and, and we really don't know what's going on. I love to think that God's at work in her heart and like preparing her for this calling and journey. Maybe she's just very impressed by all the gifts that were rolled out by the servant. Like, I don't care what this guy looks like. If he's got this stuff, like I'm ready to go live there and be around him. Her behavior at the well, being so hospitable and servant-hearted, would suggest the former, uh, and her behaving in that way before seeing. But anyway, as your family, or you individually attempt to go, as Colby said, and, and step into new things behind Jesus, you, know, you might prepare, and you might do that, and you'll be going along, and life is old, or life is normal, as, as you're used to, will we'll call back at you. You know, maybe as a family, you're trying to step into more pattern rhythms of life, and you've decided to trust God with, with rest as a part of your life. You know, chaos will, will come back. Um, you being a family of, of focus and just focus around Jesus, will, there'll be a voice presenting itself like, hey, let's just kind of sit in what we're used to, like in our old normal for a few days before we do this, kind of a call to procrastinate, stepping into new things as a as a family and Jesus, to remember that we have a real enemy that would really hate for a local church family to integrate Jesus in day-to-day life outside of just these spaces, but at work and school and all the places that we go. And may we be assertive like the servant. Like, hey, God is here. Like, obviously here, obviously calling our life into these movements. Like, we got to go. Like, may we trust God all the time. Uh, so I want to pick up in 63, I think, where we left off, or 62, or 63. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field towards evening, and he lifted up his eyes, and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. She took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So we see the return. They're riding on this camel caravan in a a very cool, uh, probably also providential moment. We see Isaac seemingly being with God in the field or, or just meditating, thinking about life and this calling he's about to step into behind the, the shadow of his father. And you know, here comes this caravan back from this journey. And we see Rebecca be like, who is that? Like apparently, you know, possibly liking what she sees um, and finding out that this is the guy that she's been brought back home to marry. And we see her dismount from the cam- camel, uh, cover her face with the veil, which is her just stepping into the full tradition of, of how this marriage and this meeting would work. We see the servant report of all that's happened, God's goodness and obvious hand. 
And uh, Isaac apparently either really trusts God's provision through this story, or maybe he really likes what he sees, and Rebecca too. But things move very fast from this moment. Um, we have some fast met-to-married stories in Troy Church, but maybe not any as fast as this. So in 67, Isaac, we're not sure exactly how much time, brought her into the tent of Sarah's mother and took Rebecca, and she became his wife. There's a wedding, and these two people that had never met each other, it says he loved her. Like, met, married, in love, and this is a beautiful story. And it shows God being good and in control, and also people interacting with a little less resistance than we've seen previously in Genesis with God's plan and providence and goodness, and it really goes well. The trust really works well. It's a pretty clean mission to find Isaac a wife, and it's beautiful and awesome. And this union continues the story of God raising up a people, a nation, a set-aside people. But as beautiful as this chapter is, as you'll see in the coming weeks, very quickly, all of these humans that seem pretty cool will all show also to be very much human and very dysfunctional. You'll see later this very marriage exhibit a ton of dysfunction in several different ways. And it's because trust is hard for us as humans. As much as we trust, we doubt as much, if not more. And the hope for us is not inspiration by any of these characters that, yes, in this moment are doing the right thing, but our hope is ultimately in what this trust points to. We've told you this whole time through the book of Genesis, we want you to understand it in its progression through the whole story of the Bible. We want you to understand that, but we also want you to understand how it foreshadows and points and alludes to even deeper realities that it presents in the person of Jesus. And I want us to end by doing that. So again, this is a real story. This isn't some fable that represents the things I'm about to tell you. This is really a part of God forming a people uh, out of the dust of the fall. But it can also rightly draw our minds up towards some realities of Jesus and point forward to him in two ways. First, this servant reminds us of Jesus. This faithful servant reminds us of Jesus. He is sent by his master to go get those that God has given him against all odds in the face of all kind of things and resistance that could go on. He goes praying and praising the one who sent him. He goes following the plan to detail that his master sent him, staying completely steadfast against all opposition. And we see Jesus even more so stay steadfast to the plan of God to go get a people for himself even in the face of the opposition of sin and death. And Jesus to go wear that, bear that perfectly and sufficiently for us. This servant can remind us of Jesus, a Jesus that God has sent to come get us, like to come get us and bring us back to him, to be a part of his family. Also, Isaac, the groom, reminds us of Jesus. This is Revelation 19.7. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. We also might be familiar with Ephesians 5 where Paul talks about husbands and wives. He says, husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church. This imagery of Christ, of Jesus being this bridegroom and of his church, us, his people, being this bride 
that he has come not only to get, but also to prepare for this just amazing marriage supper of the Lamb as eternity in the fullness and the presence of God is enjoyed by us who are his people. So we get to look at this story and we get to celebrate and look forward to what we know, a Jesus that is really both the servant and the groom, that is this faithful servant and is Isaac. He's the one that God has sent to get us, to bring us back to God, but he has come to get us to bring us back to himself and enjoy his love in fullness, in glory, forever, to enjoy him enabling us to trust what he says, even things that are hard, even in context and seasons in a busy fall where things will be hard. And may we look to Jesus, the one that has come to get us, to bring us back to himself, to enable trust in what he says. So one more time, kids especially, trust God. One more time, trust God. Let's pray.